0: I decided as I studied this that I would try to take both these chapters at once, since a lot of what we're going to read in chapter 8 is a review of what we've already studied back in chapter 2. So we'll pray that we get through it all, and then my voice holds out until we get to the end. So... We're going to begin this morning in Amos chapter 8 by reading chapter 8, all 14 verses. Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? So I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. And the songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day, says the Lord God. Many dead bodies everywhere. They shall throw them out in silence. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail, saying, When will the new moon be passed that we may sow grain, and the Sabbath that we may trade our wheat? making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the balances by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, even sell the bad wheat? The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall the land not tremble for this and everyone mourn who dwells in it? All of it shall swell like the river, even and subside like the river of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist, and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for an only son and it's end like a bitter day behold the days are coming says the lord god that i will send a famine on the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the lord they shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east they shall run to and fro seeking the word of the lord but shall not find it in that day the fair virgins and strong young men shall faint from thirst Those who swear by the sin of Samaria who say, As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. So he starts out with a phrase we've seen before. Throughout the Old Testament, God often says, Thus the Lord showed me. So, the Lord has put something before him. And then the Lord asks him a question. He says, what do you see? I think the Lord wants to make sure that Amos sees what he's showing them. So he asks him to repeat it. And then he goes on to give him the rest of the story, so to speak. One of the things that came to my mind just as I was sitting here waiting to come up, as we reviewed verses this morning in the worship hour, as we sang hymns, what did the Lord show you? I firmly believe that whenever His Word is read, He shows us something. If the Lord said to you, what do you see? Would you have an answer? Just something to think about. But his authority is now established because he's verified that he sees what the Lord wants him to see. The evidence is there. So now the Lord says, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. Those who know Hebrew would recognize the, uh, the play on words. The word summer fruit is kind of a it's a Hebrew word, quetz. And the word here used for the end and the end has come is a Hebrew word called quetz. very, very similar words. If you were reading this in the Hebrew, there wouldn't be much difference. Because the summer fruit here represents the end of a cycle. You see, Israel moved up and down in cycles throughout the Old Testament. You can see this most readily in the book of Judges. Now you have the image of the summer fruit fruit begins with a seed which grows into a plant which produces a flower which gets pollinated it increases the fruit forms and increases in size changes color and at just the right time it's good to eat and you pick it but if you don't pick it it continues it decays and keeps decaying until it falls off the vine to the ground eventually releases the seed into the ground and the cycle starts over again. Israel started with Abraham. It grew in Egypt, wandered in the wilderness, conquered Canaan, expanded under David and Solomon, but then the kingdom divided. And they devolved into idolatry. In their prosperity, they forgot God. So they've now... Gone full cycle all the way around. Summer fruit. He represents the end for Israel. People who have gone as far as they can go. Can't get much worse, and God will now bring about their end. So, now starting in verse 3, he's going to launch into three little messages. And they're all marked by the phrase, in that day. Now the phrase, in that day, here, is referring to the day that the Assyrian army will sweep across Israel and take the kingdom captive. First, God tells him there will be so many dead bodies that those who are picking them up to bury them will do so in silence. They'll just be stunned. I don't know if you've ever seen any images from the Holocaust. Images of weak and frail Jewish people pushing along a push cart that has bodies of Jewish people stacked on it like cordwood. And they're silent. There's no sound. The image here is that people are so stunned by what has happened. These people don't expect this. They expect to be totally protected by God. And yet the Assyrians come and there are dead bodies everywhere. You who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail. We saw that in chapter 2 and verse 7. The rich are just swallowing up, taking over. And there's this concept in the Hebrew word of doing this eagerly. The rich are just taking over the poor. Very similar to what we see today in our society as income inequality. There are rich, there are poor, there are no in between. When will the new moon be passed? On the Sabbath. They want to sell grain. They want to trade wheat. These festivals that were meant for remembrance, meant for worship, meant for God, now they see like this is getting in the way of me doing what I want to do. God, just get out of the way. It's time to trade wheat. It's time to make money. Everything about making money Make the info small and the shekel large. They're going to use false balances and deceit to make more money. I'm going to give you less. I'm going to put my thumb on the scale when I weigh the product out. And then, when you weigh your money to pay for it, I'm going to put my thumb on the other side of the scale so you have to put more money in Less product, more money. It's a common thing today. You ever watch in the stores? I you know the thing I thought about years ago, I used to go in the store, my mom would send me and she'd say, give me a half gallon of ice cream. And ice cream came in these nice cartons that were a half gallon. But then all of a sudden, they weren't a half gallon anymore. They were smaller. And what happened to the price? Did it go down? Price stayed the same or went up. You got less for more. You see, the more things change, the more they stay the same. He says that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Not only are the rich people going to take everything they have, But once they've taken everything they have, then these poor people have to go into debt to get what they need. And once they're into debt, now you're going to sell them into slavery to pay the debt. You see? And God's law said you don't enslave your brothers and sisters. But that's what they were doing. And again, we saw this in chapter 2 thing and then he says the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob surely I will never forget any of their works the Lord himself is the pride of Jacob he swears by himself because he can swear by nothing greater Hebrews 6.13 says for when God made a promise to Abraham Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. And he will not forget any of their works. So all these things they have done, he sees and remembers. We would do well to remember that. Because it's easy to think that no one's looking No one sees. I've often heard it said that integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. We need to remember God is always looking. And He does not forget. The Lord is now going to use some images, three images from nature. Shall the land not tremble for this and everyone who Mourn, and everyone mourn who dwells in it. The land trembling, an earthquake. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a, felt an earthquake. I don't think they happen too much around here. But if you were in California, you would know what an earthquake felt like. I remember the first time I ever felt that, I was in California, and the whole house, was shaking and it's a scary feeling because we rely on the ground under our feet being steady. We take that for granted. And all of a sudden everything is shaking. And you don't know when it's going to stop. It was interesting when I was in North Carolina. We were at work and I went into a conference room. We we're gonna have this meeting. Me and another fellow were sitting there. He was from California. The two of us were there, the rest of the people weren't there yet. And that day we actually did have right at that moment a little tremor. And the whole building kind of shook. And uh, we're sitting there and we're waiting for everybody else to show up. We looked out the window. Everybody was outside on the sidewalk. How about the building's gonna fall down? If you don't know what it is, it's a scary thing. And uh, I looked at him and he looked at me. Russell was a believer, is a believer. And we just looked at each other and said, Well, if it gets any worse and the building falls down, we know where we're going. And we waited for the rest of them to come back in. Go to the meeting. I would have rather gone. Didn't <laughs> go to that meeting. It was a tough day. But anyway, the earth shakes. It's a scary thing. And it only happens when the Lord does it. So, all this shall swell like the river, he even subside like the river of Egypt. This refers to the Nile River. The people, the Jewish people in Egypt, in the the time of slavery in Egypt, they would have known about that. They would have seen that cycle from July through September when the river floods. It peaks in October and then it goes back down. And that was a pretty regular cycle back then. Now they have a series of dams and things that control it. But The image is of the river sweeping down over the land. And as it subsides, it leaves all this junk that's good for nothing. There's just everything is just gone. And all the things, the, the rocks, the trees, everything the river carried down with it is just left there on the ground. And that's exactly what the Assyrian army is going to do. And they would have understood this image because they would have known what the Nile River looked like. He said, I'll make the sun go down at noon. I believe that refers to a solar eclipse. Amos would have been familiar with that. Astronomers tell us from their calculations that there would have been a solar eclipse in his lifetime. I don't know if any of you have ever seen one. I, um, a few years ago, when the solar eclipse was visible over the U.S., we were living in this little mountain town of Franklin, North Carolina. And uh, you couldn't get a hotel room for a hundred miles around. All of a sudden, because everybody was there to watch the eclipse, and it really is a very, very strange feeling because it's the middle of the day, the sun is shining brightly, and all of a sudden, gradually as the moon moves there, it gets dark, dark as night, and it's a strange thing. All the birds that are singing, they get quiet. And everybody's looking around. And you're seeing, you know, street lights come on because the dust to dawn timers get set off. All these strange If you didn't know what was happening, it'd be a very, very strange thing. And again, it's only something that God can do, nobody else can do it. Images from nature. And then he speaks of the mourning for an only son such a bitter day. You know, when an only son died for the Jewish people, that was a very special morning. You see, their genealogies were very important to them. And the perpetuation of the family name was very important. And when the only son died, that meant the name died with him. And then we get to verse 11, which I think is the saddest thing that Amos wrote. Behold, the days are coming, Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now we know, because we can look back, that between Malachi and John the Baptist was about 400 years that there were no prophets there was no word from the Lord as I thought about that I thought hmm, what if they came for our Bibles what if we were in a place where they took them away we couldn't have one that is probably the scariest thing I can think of. I could get through an earthquake. I can get through a solar eclipse. I can get through a flood if I can come back and read my Bible and let the Lord show me something. If I don't have this, I thought, you know, memorization. The more we memorize the less they can take away from us. Because they could take away this book. They could take away my phone that has the Bible on it. They could take away anything. But they can't take away what I've stored in my mind, what I've hidden in my heart. That is where it needs to be. In our hearts. So it can't be taken away. says they shall wander from sea to sea from north to east they shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord I thought well that is really strange because here they have Amos giving them a word from the Lord and they said to him go back home stop prophesying don't do this we don't want to hear from you they sent him away they tried to silence him And then it says, in this day when there's no word from the Lord, they'll be looking for it. Does that make sense? It didn't make sense to me. It only makes sense when you stop to think that each one of us is created for fellowship with God. And when we don't have fellowship with God, we seek something. Because we're not There's an emptiness within that only God can fill. Whether we like it or not. It's the way He created us. So even though there would be, even though they they didn't want to hear the Word from God, once they don't have it, they're going to look. And I think we see that all around us. People today are looking. I mean, that's why we have all these different things that come up. You know, all the, the LGBTQ and all that stuff. People are seeking. And they're seeking everywhere except in the Word of God. And the Word of God, God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, that's the only thing that works. You will keep seeking and seeking and seeking if you're looking somewhere else. Verses 13 and 14, the last little message. In that day, hair versions of strong young men shall faint from thirst, and those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, As your God lives, O Dan, they shall fall and never rise again. So he says, There's going to be, in this Assyrian invasion, people who will die and not come back. So we have all these different images describing what's going to happen. And now we'll go into chapter 9. In chapter 9, we're going to see a description of the judge. The one who's going to do all this stuff. Now begin reading at verse 1 of chapter 9. I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and He said, Strike the doorposts that the thresholds may shake and break them on the heads of them all. I will slay the last of them with a sword. He who flees from them shall not get away, and he who escapes from them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, from there my hand shall take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. And though they hide themselves on top of Carmel, from there I will search and take them. Though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, From there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. Though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword and it shall slay them. I will set my eyes on them for harm and not for good. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell there mourn, and all of it shall swell like the river and subside like the river of Egypt. He who builds his layers in the sky and has founded his strata in the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the people of Ethiopia to me, O children of Israel, says the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt, the Philistines from Kaftor, and the Syrians from Kerr? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, And I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. So he opens by saying, I saw. Amos saw the Lord standing by the altar. And I believe this is the false (coughs) altar in Bethel, the one that was built to worship the golden calf. Sins of Jeroboam the first. And the Lord is standing beside the altar. An altar is meant as a place of sacrifice and worship. But when the altar is defiled by false worship, it becomes a place of judgment. I saw the Lord, and this is not the covenant name of the Lord, Jehovah, this is the Hebrew word Adonai, meaning master. Or powerful one. He has the power to do whatever. He is omniscient, all knowing. He's going to strike doorposts. And that is reminiscent of you remember Samson in the Old Testament? One pillar on this side, one pillar on this side. He pushed, down came the roof, and everyone was killed. And here it says, I will slay the last of them with a sword. You don't get away. Even if you escape the building collapsing, you don't get away. He who escapes shall not be delivered. And verse 2, 3, and 4 reminds me of Psalm 139. God is omnipresent, there is no escaping from Him. You can dig into hell. You can climb up to heaven. You can hide on top of a mountain at the bottom of the sea. It doesn't matter where you go. He's there. Everywhere. And this judge is all-powerful. He destroys land. He says the land melts. He can melt rocks with the burning lava. He's in the heavens. One translation refers to his vaulted dome over the earth. He's the creator with the freedom to do whatever he wants with his creation. He's dynamic, rising and falling like the Nile River. He's definitely not the golden calf idol that Jeroboam created. This God is one who is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. He talks about the other nations, the nations around Israel. Ethiopia was a nation that was obscure, without hope. He says the Philistines he brought up from Kaftor, but he judged the Philistines. He judged the Arameans. We saw that in Amos chapter 1 and verse 5. He brought up Israel from the land of Egypt. They were counting on that. They said, You know, God delivered us out of Egypt. And because He delivered us out of Egypt, guess what? We're good. They were counting on that event. They were not counting on the God who did that. Salvation begins when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be careful how I say this. If you believe in Him, but not submit to him. That's a very dangerous place to be. See, the Bible says, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved," and that is very true. The Bible also says, "Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord," and that means that you submit to him. You agree with God that He is running your life. Huh. Repent of your sin, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, that was their big problem here. They knew there was God, but they didn't want to submit to Him. It goes back to the festivals and the Sabbaths being in the way of their doing what they wanted to do. Not a good place to be. And he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the sinful kingdom. You know, today we go like this, watching you. And I will destroy it from the face of the earth. So he says, yet I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. So let's read on I'm in chapter 9, starting in verse 9. For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations, as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say the calamity shall not overtake us nor confront us. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. That they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains will drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. So after some nine and a half chapters of doom and gloom messages, Amos brings a message of hope. One final message. He says, I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. As he sifts the grain, the sinners shall die by the sword, That's true. But he says, not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. So, yes, if you're one of those sinners, and those are the ones who say the calamity shall not overtake us nor confront us, they're the ones who are just resting on this one event that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt. The ones who aren't really believing that God will keep. So there's going to be a remnant. And there's going to be another day. He's verse eleven on that day, the day when he restores Israel. And there's going to be five things that are going to happen in that day. The first one is the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, is going to be built up. He's going to raise up the house of David. The Lord Jesus Christ will be sitting on the throne. He's going to fulfill, finally, the Davidic covenant. In 2 Samuel 7.16, it says, Your house and your kingdom will be established forever. So this is the royal restoration. The first one. Jerusalem and her walls will be rebuilt. Israel's cities will be rebuilt. And the Lord Jesus Christ, descendant of David, will reign on David's throne forever. The second thing he promises in verse 12 is that Israel's boundaries will finally be expanded to include all the territory that God promised in Genesis fifteen eighteen. See, he said, To your descendants I have given this land. From the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Israel has never occupied fully that land. They've never occupied it all. But the promise here is that the day is coming when they will, when they will control it all. And then the third promise in verse 13 the plowman overtaking, the reaper, the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, the mountains dripping with sweet wine. The land will once again become productive. You know, you read in the Old Testament about the spies going into the land and they come back and they say, truly it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm sure you've seen the pictures of two of them with a pole carrying this big bunch of grapes. It's just so big it has to be carried by two men on a pole. Go over there today and you're not going to see that. You're not going to find any big bunches of grapes that need two men on a pole. It's just not there. But God says it will be. He says it right here in verse 13. Verse 14, I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. We're seeing that right today. We're seeing Jewish people from all over the world coming to Israel. It's not yet as big as it's going to be. And the Lord Jesus doesn't rule it yet, but He will. And all the Jewish people will be there. Because it says so right here in verse 14. That I will bring them back. And they'll inhabit the cities, and they'll plant the vineyards, and make the gardens. And then finally, the fifth promise, I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up. In other words, they're going to be in their land at peace with all their neighbors around them. Definitely not what's going on today. So you see, we have this, this message of hope, this promise that someday God will gather them in the land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want to close today with another promise from God. I want to read just the first three verses of Revelation chapter 21. John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's God's promise to us who believe for eternity God used Amos to promise judgment for Israel and it happened God used Amos to promise the return of the Jews to their land and we see it happening in our day and what we just read God has promised us an eternity with him He will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God promises us an eternity with him. And because of the promises he's made and kept so far, we can be sure that this promise will happen because he will keep it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You once again that we have Your Word. That we live in a place where we can open it and preach it freely. We thank You for each one here. We thank You, Father, for those who would be here but are not able for some reason or another. We think of those who are confirmed Pray that you would strengthen them. Father, we thank you for the promise that we will all someday dwell in that new heaven and new earth. That you will dwell with us. That we will be your people and you will be our God. We thank you, Father, that even in the here and now, we are your people. And you are our God. We give you thanks now for the food that we'll partake of downstairs. We pray that you would bless it to our youth and us to your service. And we pray all things in the name of the only one who is worthy, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.